Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark horse here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Iron Radio is brought to you in part by www.bingcolorprint.com. Business cards, flyers, banners, postcards, DVD packages, and more can be found there. Occasionally you'll see Phil make a comment on our Iron Radio listeners page. That's not spam. That might be something that you can save at bingcolorprint.com. Thanks. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a weight trainer and bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Rob Fortney here, uh, former editor at Muscle Mag International, um, journalist, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens, uh, strength coach, competitive lifter, and powerlifting, Highland Games, strongman, and founder of LifterHope.org. Sweet. Today we have a, a guest, uh, Chris Shugart, who most listeners probably recognize. I think we've had Chris on the show before and, of course, you know, um, T-Muscle and T-Nation.com and all the iterations thereof. Uh, so I wanted to have Chris on, on first just to talk about what he's up to lately, and then we're going to talk about a specific um, project or idea that he's had brewing about fasting and whatnot. But, Chris, let's just start off with maybe just briefly describe to listeners who you are and, and what you have going on these days. Sure. Uh, I started with uh, testosterone or tnation.com probably, I think we're going on about 12 years now. I started as an assistant editor and writer for that site. And, uh, of course, we're associated with Biotest Supplements. And I've been working for these guys for about 12 years. And here recently, we have uh, expanded a little bit to something called velocitylife.com. And basically, that's... Uh, the Velocity Diet, which is something I came up with four or five years ago, has has expanded into its own category, and we have our own website now, and uh, slightly different feel than uh, Testosterone Nation, but uh, part of the same biotest family. So we're rocking along, and it's it's really starting to take off. Cool. So what about you personally? Uh, lifting background? I know sometimes you talk about being a, a fat kid and, and things like that, or... <laughs> Yeah, you guys are listening to all of your all of your great accomplishments. My accomplishment is is not being a fat guy, which was pretty huge for me at the time. I started out as a as a chubby kid and uh went on to basically get chubbier and chubbier and I found myself in a uh college uh PE class. I was it was a requirement. I had to take it and they uh gave me a pinch test, gave me a caliper body fat test and I I was somewhere in the 30-something percent. I can't remember exactly where I was, but it was humiliating because I had to take my shirt off in front of this this cute co-ed girl. And at that point, I just decided, this is not me. You know, I am I am wearing a fat suit, and I don't know who this guy is. This guy is. I feel like crap. I look like crap. I was I was hiding behind, like, a beard and long hair at the time, weighing, like, at 240, 250, and not an athletic 240 or 250 either. I wasn't even... Only thing I hit was the fridge back then, and the uh, only thing I lifted was, you know, a package of Twinkies, I think. And um, I, I just got sick of it, you know, and I, I, I had this breakthrough moment, and that sort of began, that sort of started this this whole 
path to uh, kind of becoming a, uh, a fitness expert without any formal degrees. My degrees are actually in psychology, but uh, as most of you guys know, when it comes to lifting and bodybuilding and powerlifting and fat loss and body transformation, uh, the psychology is really the foundation of the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, lost the weight, built some muscle, did a stint as a powerlifting coach, uh, and you know my big uh, kind of calling card is you know how to look good naked because that was about all that drove me in the past, and um, and I think that's where most people really are. I mean, I really admire those who can step up on stage and or step up on the platform, but uh, you know I, I speak to those people who want to perform well. But they, they want to look good. They want to feel good. And this is something that's kind of new with me. I really care about health and longevity. And for a long time, I didn't. You know, it was uh, get big or die trying, get lean or die trying, you know, whatever I can to, you know, bench more, to lift more. And I just had to sort of this breakthrough where all of, I believe all of that has to be built on a health of uh, – on a foundation of, of health. And longevity is is now important to me. This this could have something to do with me turning forty and forty in a couple of months. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm oh yeah, <laughs> convertible and be done with it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're in, you're in good company there. I'm forty two. Fortress, you're forty, right? Uh, yep, forty years old. So, and I I know what you're saying about the longevity thing. You start to you do trade in a little bit, not so much the passion, but you trade in a little bit of the recklessness for. You know, listen, I don't want to be like crippled when I'm 50, you know, or do something so dramatic to my metabolism or something. I screw myself up permanently and, you know, I'm going to be sort of a metabolic train wreck when I'm in my 50s or something like that. So, right. And, you know, I, I was, I was kind of getting to that, getting to that point, you know, after a couple of torn biceps and just one nagging injury after another, not to mention, you know, doing crazy things a decade ago to to see what I see what I could do to add more muscle. You know, I, th- I think we all sort of come to this conclusion. And I have this philosophy that it's some people say, oh, that's not hardcore anymore. You know, you could be hardcore when it comes to health. You could be hardcore when it comes to being really passionate about living a long time and not only having like more. Uh, more years in your life, but more life in your years, as the old saying goes. So that's something I'm I'm really really passionate about, and of course I I want to see my abs all year long too. <laughs> right. Well, you know we have the, the co-hosts on here. We have different thoughts about that. I try to at least keep my abs vaguely visible. <laughs> Fortress, I, you know, I mean, I I'm not saying Fortress has a, a big belly. He's got a power belly kind of, but you know what I mean. There's different goals there for sure. But yeah, I agree. There's nothing wrong with looking good. You know, and then some type, times of the year, maybe you're a little bit more ripped. Sometimes you you might be a little bit um, bigger still. But this is part of the reason that I thought it would be fun to have you on the show because you're one of the people who I think is always exploring, you know, new ideas. You're very open-minded about this kind of stuff. And, you know, you were saying that you didn't, like, go to grad school specifically for stuff like metabolism or biochemistry or something. But in a way, I think that could be good because it, it leaves you more open-minded. You didn't sort of get biased by your advisor or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, Right. I, you know, I, I don't mean to offend anyone listening, but I, I make this joke that's sort of not a joke. And I say that, you know, I, I could have gone to, you know, dietetic school and become a dietitian, but I would have, I believe there's a sophomore year lobotomy involved. <laughs> oh, boy. 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen some of the pictures of award winners you've posted online before. It's it's a harsh reality sometimes. Well, the really good ones don't seem to just toe the company line. The really good ones think think way beyond the the you know the the you know the food pyramid and things like that. So I, right. I'm obviously teasing the ones that seem to do a like Yahoo News updates and the ones that seem to write for all the health and cooking magazines. Those are the ones that drive me bonkers. Right. Well, actually, what you were talking about psychology and behavior and and uh, you know I know lately you've been you, you've been thinking about some of this metabolism stuff with the fasting and everything, but you're also, I, I actually check out your blog on a pretty regular basis just to see what kind of recipes you're trying, because I think when it comes to actually complying with, you know, different programs, whether it's low carb or low fat or whatever it might be that, you know, recipes are sort of how you translate that into real life. You know, you can learn biochemistry till your brain is hurting and yet, Ultimately, you know, you have to have something that tastes good enough to put in your mouth. And I know I, that's the kind of stuff I've been looking at what you've been doing lately, you know, with pictures and the stuff on your blog. So, you know, people just aren't going to do it if it doesn't taste, taste good. They're not going to do it for long. They're not going to replicate that behavior because it's a reward and punishment thing. Okay. This is going to reward me with good health or getting leaner or, or, you know, helping me build muscle, but if it tastes bad, how often are they going to repeat it? So, you know, I, I think I think cooking is the ultimate in, in self-reliance, and yeah, I do publish a lot of recipes that that fit with my nutritional style. And uh, and and you're right, it, it's it's just a guideline, and and I don't really miss out on anything. I honestly don't feel like I'm I'm suffering from anything. I can make a pizza that that helps me with my goals that still tastes great. I don't I don't I don't miss out anymore and I think that's a that's an important thing. Yeah. It it totally is. In fact, you know what I, I know how you incorporate supplements into some of your recipes and whatnot. And you'll find this interesting. My uh advanced nutrition textbook that I teach one of my classes from, uh it specifically um points out in one of these sort of practical tip highlight things. I mean, this is a very biochem heavy book and it specifically points out how beneficial supplements are uh you know to complying with different diets and how some people respond better to uh fish oils versus, you know, monounsaturated fats versus high carb or high fat diet or you know these kinds of things like nutrigenetics and nutrigenomics and all that kind of stuff. But I thought it was very cool they're actually saying you know, wow, you know, supplements are a great way to address this. I mean, think about like omega-3s. I just, I know we've talked about this before, but it'd be hard to take that dose of omega-3s on a regular basis. I mean, you'd be really sick of salmon and herring and stuff like that. Right. You know, I think you and I uh, kind of co-wrote or, or teamed up on an article about this for Teen Nation not long ago. And, and the people are starting to, a lot of anti-supplement people, nutritionists and such are, are starting to kind of change their minds because they realize there's this there's this powerful effect you get from um, you know, like hyperloading certain things and like you said you're you're probably not going to eat enough salmon to get some of the benefits that you can get from omega three you know uh, we have this superfood supplement which uh, you know it's it's just free dried berries and berries and fruits and some green tea extracts and things like that in there. And sure, you could get that in real life, but I just don't know many people who are going to eat 14, 15 servings of exotic fruits and vegetables and kale and berries and and drink 18 glasses of green tea a day on top of that to get that. So, you know, even the anti-supplement people are, are kind of coming around and they're saying, okay, well, that's it's real food. It's just concentrated in a capsule or in a powder.
Yeah. Yeah, I think convenience is huge, whether it's a protein bar or it's something like, a, you know, a phytochemical extract powder or whatever it is. I mean, there's got to be some consideration for convenience. You know, I mean, if nothing else, it's a bridge over troubled water while you're trying to learn more about food or, you know, you're in a tight schedule kind of setting at work or whatever it is. And you just don't have time to spend that, you know, that much time on cooking and things like that when you can you know, introduce some of these kinds of things and, and stick stick to your plan. But let's talk about the, the plan that I know you've been toying with lately. I, now, I'm not a huge fan of of fasting, I'll be honest with you, but if you're interested in it, I'm sure you have a good rationale. So just maybe tell me how you got this idea. Describe the idea a little bit. Tell me how you got the idea, how it developed into the, uh, what is it, the pulse fast yeah, well, we, it's the Mag-10 Pulse Fast, or just Pulse Fasting, and uh, I got the idea from a couple of different sources, actually. You know, I interviewed uh, Art Devaney, uh, I believe I'm saying that right, uh, several years ago, and he talked about, he's a, kind of an evolutionary nutrition guy, and he talked about uh, bad hunting days or low hunting days, and he believed that the body basically uh, adapted and evolved to have periods of time when you when you don't have a whole lot of food. And maybe we don't need to be cramming in 300 grams of protein every day, uh, you know, seven days a week and getting up in the middle of the night. Maybe it's actually beneficial for different things from growth hormone to insulin sensitivity to all sorts of things to have a, a day where you don't consume that many calories. And an, an intermittent fast is, is what he and a lot of these paleo guys are, are fans of. And, of course, I, I heard that initially and, and bristled. Because everyone knows you have to, you know, you need a, if you can get a protein enema and an IV drip at the same time, this is what you must do to add muscle. And so I bristled at the idea and, and really kind of, kind of blew it off. I, I, I you know, I was, you know, you gotta eat seven, eight times a day. I was a big proponent of that. I've, you can find that in articles I've written over the last dozen years. Um, and, well then, uh, my wife comes to me, uh, probably eight, nine months ago. And, and says she's interested in this and she wants to do it. And I told her she was nuts. She was nuts. And you know, the, the, the way to, to stay lean and hard and build muscle and lose fat is, is, is to eat, not to not eat. So in a way, this developed a lot like the velocity diet developed. The velocity diet was this, uh, idea based on protein sparing modified fast. And I, I thought they were really stupid. Bodybuilders tried to do it and they failed. I thought they were doing it wrong. But the idea just stuck with me. You know, it was, it was intriguing. There's something, wow, you just, you just do this all day long, drink protein shakes all day and you do it for four weeks and you get ripped. How simple, uh, you know, but I felt that they were doing it wrong. So I developed the velocity diet to kind of do it the right way. So the pulse fast, the MAG-10 pulse fast is sort of, uh, our version, I collaborated, uh, with Tim Patterson of Biotest and coach Christian Thibodeau on this. And, um, and we basically took a normal fast, which is just not eating if it's a traditional water fast, uh, and we, we put it on steroids, so to speak. It's a 36 hour plan. And by 36 hours, I mean, you eat your last meal around nine o'clock at night, you go to bed, you wake up the next day, but instead of having a water fast or instead of doing some of this asinine stuff that's floating around, like I think one of them involves maple syrup and cayenne pepper or some crazy thing like that, oh, wow. uh, and, and, and they're, they they're extend for days and weeks or whatever. Instead, you spend one day 
and the only thing you ingest are uh, a, a an amino acid supplement, mag ten, basically for its high amino acid content, and it, it, you're only getting about ten grams of protein per pulse, uh, and you pulse this in. Uh, you know, eight to ten times a day, basically. And we also threw in some power drive, which is sort of our, our neurotransmitter pre-workout supplement. A lot of college students used to take it before they took tests and things like that. Uh, I'm on it right now, if you can't tell. And uh, and a couple other little things in there. So it's basically this liquid fast. It only lasts 36 hours. You go to bed that night, you wake up the next day, and you start eating to however you want to support your goals. And... My original intent was, okay, well, let's try to get all the, the all the benefits of uh, an intermittent fast, but let's do it for the physique athlete. Let's do it for the bodybuilder and the strongman. Maybe let's do it for the guy who's going to blow it on Sunday and knows he's going to have a cheat meal on Sunday. He's going to have some beers and hit the pizza buffet. Let's have this do this on Monday to fix it in 36 okay. hours. Uh, the other. But what we noticed was there's this rebound effect, and the rebound effect is happens the next day when your body is just seems to be ultra sensitive to the nutrients you put into it. So you take care of your your peri workout nutrition, to use one of Dr. Lowry's words, and uh, and it just seems to work that much better. So a long story short here, people are using this for fat loss, doing it once or twice per week. And they're retaining all their muscle, but sort of speeding fat loss. Other people are doing it as they're doing like a mass program, sort of to minimize uh, fat gain and to basically make their supplements and make all that protein work better, to resensitize their body to it. And I know I'm speaking in generalities here, but that's essentially what's happening. So I took this idea to uh, Tim Patterson and Christian Thibodeau. We tweaked it a lot. We have, we have what's called the training lab, which is this um, massive facility of all this amazing equipment. We bring in uh, bodybuilders and uh, and things like that. We work with these people one-on-one. It's all filmed, and we put up the videos at tnation.com. And uh, we, we started, Christian Thibodeau started experimenting with his guys on this. And I started experimenting with uh, myself, uh, my wife. It's always, I'm sure it's great to be married to me. Uh, and I also started to experiment. I worked with uh, some some big shots in the, in the TV and movie industry and things like that. And these guys will do anything. Uh, basically, they're they're very ded- dedicated and very extreme. And I started working with them on it. And then eventually we recruited uh, 12 or 13 of uh, Teen Nation and Velocity Life members and sent them all the stuff for free and just said, just here's what we're thinking, report right. back to us, we'll tweak it as we go. Cool. And the results were just amazing. The results were just really, really cool. People are losing fat, retaining muscle. Um, we believe that over an extended period of time, this type of intermittent fast done once or twice per week could actually be anabolic in the long run, at the very least minimize some of the damage that we can do with, uh, with, with mass diets. And uh, that's, that's pretty much the long and short of it right there. I'll tell you, this fits very well with one of the things I was just today, I was prepping some slides about what happens when you live in a constant insulin environment. And it's kind of what you're talking about, you know, whether you're eating, whether you're doing it with carbs or even tons of protein, like 24, seven nighttime, six times, seven, eight times a day. Insulin eventually actually leads to 
you know, gene stimulation and the creation of more what I would just call fat, you know, creating machinery. Enzymes like acetyl-CoA carboxylase is one, and I know nobody cares about that, but ACC is an enzyme that when you expose cells to insulin constantly, that's one of the things that says, okay, we've got all this extra carbohydrate, you know, we're going to run it through glycolysis, and then we're going to build it into some fat, because, you know, it's the only thing the body could do with with extra that much extra carbohydrate. But the point being here is um, glucagon, which most listeners, well, some listeners at least would understand, is, you know, it's a fasting hormone. It's like the opposite of insulin, and it depresses some of those fat-building enzymes. So I think a lot of people do know the idea that insulin is indiscriminate in building muscle and fat at the same time. But I think what you're doing there, which is kind of interesting, is you're almost flipping that around and you're saying, what if we antagonize insulin? Not to hurt someone's insulin sensitivity, but, you know, to get its its evil twin, you know, to get glucagon kicking on purpose. And I think over time, something like that, theoretically, I think, if you think about the sort of the molecular biology of it, might lead to more leanness. Because you're right. I mean, I, I do think people, people probably evolved through periods of fasting, you know, just because of inavailability of food. And here you are, you know, purposely working your glucagon system and counteracting some insulin's effects. I've actually thought about that before, like when I'm dieting and whatnot. I'm like, well, knowing what I know about biochemistry, if I'm constantly eating – you know, six, seven times a day, I always have elevated insulin. And that might be okay during mass phases, you know, but I'm wondering if I want to be doing that, you know. So, and when you compound that with some of the research lately on leucine, you know, the, some of leucine's most interesting effects, I think, and we're going to have Lane uh, Norton on the show here in, in coming weeks, who's, you know, really into leucine. But uh, that could be something that, could, you know, is, it, I've seen it fed to animals or people, and it seems to almost be like when you're otherwise fasting, consume a little bit of leucine and you can hold on to muscle tissue and almost preferentially lose fat. So I, I think ideas like that are very cool. But instead of straight leucine, you're just talking about sort of low-dose protein, right? Right, right. And it, you know, it's a very leucine-rich formula. And, you know, that was one of my initial thoughts. Well, what if I could do this with straight leucine? Yeah, but uh, I mean, I experimented with uh, some pretty crazy versions of this in the long run before we we came up with this particular version. But I mean, I believe again, speaking in generalities, I am such a leucine fan uh, it, for diet. You know, I eventually, when I rewrote the Velocity Diet, uh, I made sure leucine was a part of it. Uh, additional leucine. I I just think for the dieter who doesn't want to lose muscle and you're you know of course you're nuts if you don't take that if you don't keep that in mind when when you're dieting hard i think leucine is is damn near a magic bullet when it comes to retaining muscle while in a fat loss stage mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for a while there i mean in ages past people were so big on the branch chain amino acids and then it seemed like in the 90s people were just poo-pooing that you know like either saying that they didn't help you acutely perform better or lift more weights or they seem to be barking up the wrong trees. And yet all that data that I remember from early grad school stuck in my head, the back of my head, you know, I mean, because leucine, we, what we've known about leucine and its protein synthetic effects has been around for a long time. And I think what's happening lately is we're actually describing which cellular pathways are actually turned on by it. You know, and I think so now that now it's more mechanistic and we have a better idea of why it works. But yeah, so I I, I I think generally speaking with supplements, they're 
there seems to be a pattern. You know, you look at peri-workout nutrition, there, there's a pattern where, you know, uh, our, our, this old story of, like, uh, uh, Arnold going to train and meeting some of his workout partners, and they open the door, and Arnold, like, throws an old crappy protein shake into their hands and said, let's go, leg day, you know. And, and you know, they were kind of doing peri-workout nutrition accidentally, and these days we have specified formulas. We know exactly the kinds of protein and exactly, you know, the kinds of carbs and all that. I, I think leucine is kind of one of those things where we were always jamming in amino acids. And, and you know, I, I remember I think that was my very first supplement purchase was some sort of liquid amino acid from GNC when I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and uh, <laughs> it narrowed that down. We know exactly like we're, you know, not that you need to collect them, obviously, but we know exactly where 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 to go for the effects we want, and that seems to be pointing to leucine more and more. Right. So, is there a, a stimulant involved? Uh, maybe just tell everybody exactly what's in metabolic drive. Uh, for the proteins, I mean, for the pulse fast. Uh, yeah, I mean, like. Uh, each of the supplements, like I'm sorry, yeah, like what the the purpose behind each of you know of the supplemental approaches when you're otherwise not eating anything, right? Right, and, and you know, the, okay, so each little pulse that you take, you take eight to ten per day. It's made up primarily of uh, of, of a product we have called Mag Ten, which is just 58 calories a scoop and no carbs or anything like that. And it is it is primarily uh, a leucine rich casein hydrolysate. Uh, so some citrulline malate in there. It is, and that's, you know, that's it. It's 58 calories, no carbs. So that's for the protein sparing, per se. Right, sparing. right. And uh, when I first started experimenting, I was only doing four of these a day at the time, and that was not a good idea. We eventually realized <laughs> we could really ramp that up, and it's much more pleasant. I mean, it's still a ridiculously low amount of calories. I mean, you're still getting well under, what is it, well under six, 700 calories a day with with, with this entire plan. Um, wow. It's zero carb, basically. Uh, power drive, I think, gives you a, a, a little bit in there. But, uh, you know, the power drive, uh, the main ingredient, DMAE, uh, we also throw in some uh, alpha GPC in there, and we send you this big Nalgene bottle, this big labware bottle. <laughs> and people just fill this thing up and carry it around with them all day. Okay. And every two hours or so, you drink about 400 milliliters of it. And that's the whole plan. You know, I'm amazed at how many questions. We have a live spill running on it now, and people are asking so many detailed questions. I'm like, mix up your bottles and drink them all day, and you're done. <laughs> yeah. It really... It, there's really not a whole lot to it than that, and that's one of the things I think that's appealing about it is it's it's overall simplicity, and and, and it gives you. This is the funny thing. This is what we noticed with some of the early velocity dieters. You need to have a plan. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the eighth annual ISSN conference and expo, June 23rd to 25th. 2011 at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So for more information, go to www.theissn.org. Now, things you're going to do during the day, because you take food out of the equation, and you realize you have two or three hours left in your day, and you're not buying food, preparing food, or cleaning up after eating. I bet a lot of people could use that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last time um, uh, I have purposely started doing a pulse fast on days that I fly, 
and I just carry in my containers on my, my carry-on and a shaker bottle. And, of course, I can't carry it pre-mixed in my big Nalgene bottle uh, because of, you know, flight regulations and stuff. But, um, yeah, I just carry it because, you know, what else am I going to do? Try to find something good to eat at an airport? No, that's a good point, though, right? It's a powder. So, I mean, it wouldn't spoil. You could reconstitute it anywhere there's a water faucet, right? Exactly, exactly. And you know, it, it frees up a lot of time. It's really, it's really kind of freeing in a way. And which is, I, I believe there's a couple of different kinds of fasting. I believe there's a, what we're doing, which is a physique transformation, really targeted, really scientific, modern form of a fast. And then there's what I call hippy dippy fasting. Okay. And that's like the old school, you know, hippy type thing. And they're getting colonic. Right. Cleansing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cleansing type fast and detoxifying and I can right, a little yeah. bit when I hear all those terms because I too. prefer to stick a little little more to the science. Mm-hmm. But people are noticing a little bit of those hippy dippy effects in that well for one thing your energy is really good throughout the day and we have a Christian Thibodeau and I have a theory about this and it's sort of a, a paleo based theory, I guess you could say, is uh when when your body is in when your body thinks it's starving, when, it, when your body thinks it needs to eat, uh, it naturally kind of ramps up your energy and focuses you because it, it, it's telling you you need to go hunt. You need to go mm-hmm. gather. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a little bit of energy. It gives you a little bit of focus. Now, even before we added the power drive into it, which, which does sort of have a focusing effect to it, uh, before we even added that in there, our, our lab rabbits, as we call them, were telling us that they just feel energetic and they feel really, really focused throughout the day, like just laser-like focus. And you know what, Chris? Really all that hungry, maybe a little empty, but not like they're not gnawing their arms off. Or right. Yeah, you got my gears turning because you know how e- that would not be difficult to substantiate with numbers. I mean, you could have somebody drink. Uh, you know, some kind of placebo drink, you know, crystal light or something eight times a day or something versus this. And then just do a little like Likert scale from very, very low to very, very high. What's your energy level like, you know? And I bet there's something to that. But when we were in grad school, we used to do just what you were describing. You said you and Christian were talking about that kind of uh, basically awareness and being on your toes because it's time to hunt. It's time to score some more food. We used to do that before exams. We would get a little bit of protein or carbs or something in us, but we wouldn't like eat ourselves into a, a stupor, you know, and try to take an exam because we would, we were afraid that we'd be mentally groggy instead of sharp, you know. And I think it's the same kind of thing. People talk about this feeling of lightness that that they get with it, and I I, I think uh, you know about halfway through the day, your body does kind of clean out a little bit. I'm not going to say it cleanses, but there are yeah. some cleansing type effects that go on that you just feel really light. And, and just uh, talk about some physical things. Uh, the average person loses two to five pounds in this 36-hour fast and an inch to three inches off of their belly measure- measurement. Now, obviously, they're not losing five pounds of fat that right. quickly. Uh, Christian Thibodeau, he estimates that, let's say a guy it's a very minimal result, which is about two pounds of loss overnight. He, he, he estimates that, you know, a pound of that is waste and water and uh, glycogen is actually a very small part of it. I think people worry too much about glycogen. And maybe a pound of it is indeed fat loss if you're doing some sort of workout during the day, during that time, while only getting, you know, five 600 calories. 
maybe maybe it's about half fat loss, um, uh, quarter fat loss, whatever. It's still a pretty nice bump in the right direction. Yeah, you know what? It, I was just going to say I've got some numbers. I'll have to dig them up for you, email them to you, but about what fat turnover is every day. I mean, you can actually fr- pretty much figure out how many grams of fat were oxidized just knowing how many grams of you know triglycerides turn over every day. But I've seen CAT scans with people on really high fiber diets, and their large intestines are usually pretty full, you know, because they're eating a lot of fiber. And I would think this might be a, a good thing because even if it's fiber in there, give it a chance to move out, kind of, you know. So, and I so that I, I don't know how much that would weigh either. And I, I appreciate your honesty about some of that too. You know, there's going to be like emptying of the intestine. There's going to be a little bit of glycogen and water loss and and all that kind of stuff too. And it's not just fat, but theory. And maybe you can add to this a little bit, I have just this idea, I just call it bloat. I believe that most people, especially like strength guys that are that are really cramming in a lot of food all the time, some of it not from the greatest sources, I believe that a lot of us just really walk walk around kind of waterlogged and overly bloated. I mean, everyone kind of knows when you drop your carbs down a little bit, even to just like 100 grams a day, you, you immediately get rid of a lot of water. Yeah, dry um, I, ha- I have a theory that maybe we're not supposed to be carrying around that much body fluid. And when we normalize our diets or, or when our diets are brought down to maybe sort of a uh, traditional paleo or primal type level where carbs are generally, you know, maybe 100, 150, not Atkins low, but, you know, lower in control, maybe that's where we're supposed to be. And I just see a lot of people that just seem to walk around very bloated all yeah. the time and this seems to be a really it's not about the 36 hour results it's about uh this this basic reprogramming of your cells metabolism cool stuff sciencey sounding stuff like that but yeah. there is a very cool 36 hour effect if you actually measure your belly and things like that so i i don't know it feels really good to wake up 4 or 5 pounds lighter and yet still feel really strong and still get really good workouts believe it or not yeah, Fortress was just talking about that the other week about when he's power eating and really gaining weight. It kind of sucks to be that full of food all the time. You know, I'm sure between your stomach and your intestines and everything else that you're, yeah, a lot of us who are trying to especially gain weight aggressively, damn. I mean, I bet we're carrying a couple pounds of food on us at any given time. You know what I mean? And like you said, almost the kind of water attention and bloat. I mean, look at somebody who uses, you know, uh, exogenous testosterone. One, you know, one of the, the first things they're going to do is get kind of bloated. And, and some people almost like that when they're hard training. But like you said, there's also a time when you like to get a little drier. So, yeah, this is – see, now, in a way, I feel like you, you <laughs> that you're fibbing a little because here's me ready to kind of question a lot of what you're saying. But I, I, I knew it being you, it wouldn't be a problem. But So this isn't really a fast so much as it is a, a very, very low-calorie diet. Kind of right. It's a, it's a fast from from all solid foods, and if yeah. anyone has taken any of these supplements before, they know they don't even mix up like a protein shake. I mean, they have the consistency of your drink during this has a consistency of Gatorade, so you don't feel like you're okay. eating. It doesn't really have much of a filling effect at all. Uh, so yeah, there you know there's I, I did a lot of research on the different types of fast that are out there, and. You know, a true fast is a water fast. I mean, it is eat nothing, drink water. And sometimes these things would, I mean, you see biblical examples extended to 40 days and, you know, crazy sounding things like that. So 
this is a very low calorie, but a very targeted, a very tactical calorie diet. Uh, and again, I go back to Art Devaney, you know, gosh, seven, eight years ago when he called that a low hunting day. And I, I think he yeah. was really on to something there. It just took me several years to catch up to some of his ideas. So I guess, yeah, I guess Phil's going to have to stop his water-only fasts that he's always doing these days. The, 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 the colonic rinsing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all right. That's cool. it, as you guys know, the, the 30-day meat cleanse. Oh, no. <laughs> Push out all that fiber once a year and get all that bad vegetable matter that's stuck in your colon out. That stuff blows you up. It just sticks in there for years. You got a T-Rex cleanse. Plunger and just push it all out. Nice. <clears throat> well done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really, I, I think there's, I think there's something to all of that. And it's always kind of funny because we always, you know, it's hard to talk about any of this stuff without becoming a seventh grader talking about poop. You know, yeah. it all becomes funny. But man, I, I think digestion is, and system is really where it's at. And if this, little plan we have has some sort of side effect or, or some sort of uh, ancillary effect that helps with all that, hey, more more power to it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chris, let me ask you. So you said twice a week is what you would suggest or is, that's what people are trying right now? Well, uh, there's so many different ways to do this. And, and, you know, based on intermittent fasting, you know, you look up that word in the dictionary and it, it, it really should be it becomes almost instinctive. You kind of know when you need to do it once you've been playing with it for a while. Uh, we recommend every Monday or every Monday, Thursday, every Sunday, Wednesday, you know, separated by a couple of days. Mm-hmm. There are some extreme versions of this. For one week, you could do every other day. Um, I would definitely say that's a quick fat loss sort of thing. That could be great for someone traveling. Um that's in a very extreme version of this. And, you know, I probably shouldn't say this or someone's going to try it, but some of our guys, some of our uh, uh, guys in the in the training lab, some of our, bo- our top amateur bodybuilders, uh, they were in kind of sort of a panic situation of being near a show and not being where they needed to be, and a guy did this for 10 days straight. Not recommended. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's like it's like the guys on MythBusters. Let's start right. Let's start the show with saying that is not recommended or necessary at all to get the benefits of this. I wouldn't. I would. I might recommend the seven days every other day, but really twice a week is pretty. It, once or twice a week is all you need. Or you can use it. I, I call this the break in case of break glass in case of emergency. The break supplement cap, cabinet in case of emergency plan. Okay. Do it, do it when you blow it. I mean, you know, ah, oh, I wasn't planning on doing that this Saturday, but I got invited to a cookout, and the next thing I know, yeah. Well, it's intermittent. Throw in a pulse fast on, on you know, the, the following day, and cleanse. You know, yeah. uh, get rid of get rid of that problem, or take advantage of it. If you're going to do that on, you know, if, if you're going to do that on Saturday, pulse fast on Friday to get that priming effect. Have the crazy food on Saturday and lift your ass off that same day and take advantage of that. You know, one of the, one of the things this sort of harkens back to are the ideas of protein, uh, protein cycling and carb cycling and calorie cycling. Well, you're also doing that when you pulse fast. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt over the course of a week you'd be in more of a negative fat balance, you know, and you would have a lower insulin 
total production, you know, like insulin under the curve would be lower if two out of every seven days you were doing that. I mean, there's almost no two ways about that. And I mean, Mike Nelson was on the show a couple of weeks ago and he was basically pointing out, and I think very wisely, that there's lots of theories and mechanisms and things about fat loss, but ultimately playing around with insulin and glucagon, which is what you're doing, you know, pancreatic hormones, that has the big effect, you know, because so many other systems are connected to it in different ways. So I don't know. I, I got I, I got to think that there's not much uh, question about efficacy for the fat loss. My biggest concern would just be how well would an ectomorphic dude hold on to muscle over, let's say, the course of two months doing that twice a week, you know. But maybe he does. I mean, if, the, if that leucine literature suggests... Yeah, what he does on his other days is really important. I mean, if he's uh, if, if if he's just a guy who's under eating all the time, then he shouldn't do this twice a week. But if he, I, I love the word tactical because we can really we know when to target it, and it's it's all about the, you know the pair workout nutrition. So you know if, if let's say your your legs suck, so Monday is is leg day, and that's when you're really just going to kill legs. You can do a pulse fast. On Sunday, prime the body for this. Get some of those cool insulin effects. And when you when you train your legs on Monday, jam in the para workout nutrition. You know, pre, during, after, hour after, jam it in. And I believe you're going to get a greater anabolic effect because you pulse fasted the previous day. Would you now? Are you saying that you wouldn't eat breakfast that morning of the big leg day, or would you? No, no, you would uh, wake and eat normally. Okay, yeah, yeah. Though you don't wake up starving, I mean, you th you think if you do this on Sunday, you're going to wake up Monday and just dive into the fridge. Not really. You're so content, and uh, at that point, it's it's really interesting. But uh, yes, we recommend you you know do whatever your normal. This is kind of a universal plan. Do whatever your normal diet is, but do this once or twice a week along with it. Uh, we okay. have people adding this into the velocity diet. Uh, we have people on just like John Berardi style mass programs who are, you know, jamming in lots and lots of calories, but they're doing this once a week. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of, you can, you can kind of add it in to, to whatever you're currently doing and see what the results are. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of a, a, a cool idea. I know that it takes about 24 hours to really exhaust the liver of its glycogen stores. And I know you're talking about glycogen gets overrated sometimes, and I think you were probably more talking about muscle glycogen. But the, the whole idea is after about 24 hours, yeah, your liver's glycogen's gone. And, you know, and I think that's going to have sort of metabolic ramifications across the rest of your body because you, this goes out 12 hours beyond that. So, yeah, I don't know. It looks pretty interesting. And, and, and again, like you said, we're not recommending this. And, and, you know, we've tried to give things like anabolic steroids a fair shake on, on this podcast and whatnot, but I see something like this being especially effective in, in those kinds of guys because you know how they are. I mean, a lot, some of the guys, competitors, they can basically just stop eating. And because they're using, I don't know, Winstrol or whatever it is they're using, they can hold on to a lot of muscle mass. But, I mean, this is something that would be more sensible because I've even seen guys who are in open competitions, you know, using lots of stuff, really lose a ridiculous amount of muscle when they're dieting for a show. And although I think it's partly protective, you know, that they're using androgens or whatnot, that something like this would be just a much saner approach. I think that kind of population would probably really benefit from dieting 
uh, in this way because it's dramatic. I mean, right? I, I think it would help a lot of them. You know, so many. You, you know, you see guys. Uh, they're off season. They're two hundred and fifty pounds. They're on stage at one hundred and ninety eight. Yes. Off season, they're back to two fifty. They compete the next year, and they're one ninety eight. I've even seen middleweight. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I don't want to see somebody, yeah, walk around at 250 all the time and compete as a frickin' middleweight. What is going on? Right, and, and I think this may be a more, here we go again, a more tactical, a little smarter approach to that. So, yeah, I, I think there probably is something to it for those guys, and they're obviously going to get even better benefit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know some powerlifters and strongman competitors listen to the show. It's not just bodybuilder-type guys. Do you think something like this could help a power lifter, let's say, make weight or something like that? Do you see, you don't really see much strength loss on the days that they're doing this, or would they? Do you think they'd do this on an off day? What about like power guys? I, I think they could probably do it before a competition. Obviously, they would get up the next morning and resume eating normally. It depends on you know how the weigh-ins work for those shows. If they're weighing them in a little bit early, then I mean, this is a real quick way to drop five pounds. Uh, pure yeah. scale weight without without worrying about losing a lot of muscle and, and, and or not really losing muscle, but, you know, losing strength and feeling like crap. Obviously, they would want to fuel up before the competition begins. Well, I, I even mean for, like, let's say the, the two months before, like if, you know, if they want to make a little bit lower weight class, let's say. Right. So, I, I, I think those guys could really get away with the once-a-week plan. Because mm-hmm. fat loss is not their main goal. They're really just yeah. looking for that priming and rebounding effect. But at, at, while minimizing, because, you know, eating for strength, et cetera, um, I, I think once a week is what I would recommend for those guys. Okay. Or well, a break in case of emergency plan. Right, right. I don't know. Fortress, are you are you here? What do you think about some of this stuff? Rob. Maybe Rob. Is Rob, did he drop off the face of the earth? He might have dropped off the face of the earth. You know, as I soon as I said you're thing. not going to eat for a day, Rob took off. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so, the only thing I can see that might be hard, I mean, for a person like me right now, I mean, I'm doing all I can eating every day mm-hmm. and having a problem putting weight on, getting up to the, the weight I need to be. Um, I'm just not sure where I could spare it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been, you can ask my wife, I mean, I've been shoveling it in, and it's like two pounds to put on when I'm trying to put 20 on has been hell. <laughs> it's like, where can I spare this? But, I mean, you know, like right, I said, well, maybe, I mean, everybody maybe has for a, for a guy like that, you could do it, uh, you know, just once a month, once every couple yeah. of weeks, just something to sort of uh, – Give your system, you know, for the health benefits, you know, for yeah. the long-term health benefits, just to give your system, I hate to speak in such generalities, but to give your system a break. No. And, I mean, sometimes I automatically kind of have to do something like this because it's, digestion becomes an issue. And you're just so mentally and physically tired of being just packed full. And right. I did, I, well, you know, the funny thing is, Phil, yeah. the funny thing is, Phil, people are doing this. The more I got to talking to people, we have a lot of interesting people come through the biotest training lab, and the more I started talking to people, the more I realized that so many people are doing it already. They just never gave it that name. Like I would talk to these top, top strength coaches, and they're like, uh, yeah, I never eat breakfast. I eat around noon or one every day, and maybe I'll get up and I'll, I'll just have a little you know, handful of aminos or whatever, but I don't, I don't eat until 1 o'clock. Well, that's an intermittent fast. They just never yeah. called it that. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think you probably naturally do that. You're probably finding where you're so sick of it that you just throw in a, you know, a, a low calorie day. Yeah, it's the, opposite of somebody on, it's the opposite of somebody trying to lose weight where they add a cheat day in. You know, I add in a, damn, I'm not going to use today day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great example. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm just doing some calculations here. It looks like somewhere around, it would only be about 20% of your time. Like if you took a day a week and did something like this, you know, it's, you know, 36 hours over the course of a week. It's maybe 15 to 20% or so of, of your total time that you'd spend away from really pounding the calories. But it would be interesting that if it caused like enzyme changes where your muscles were more greedy afterwards, you know, and, and it, it, you just open the floodgates. I really think that's where we're going with it. And, and people also have to remember when we say 36-hour fast, you're asleep, say what, 16 of those hours. Yeah. Right. So it's not that yeah. bad, really. <laughs> right on. Well, I think it's a neat idea. I mean, and it's not like, you know, you're espousing that everybody should do this constantly. And I mean, just knowing what I know about typical carb up strategies when people try to glycogen load, usually that's like a a one to three day period, you know. And so if you're doing this twice a week, you're separating it by three days. Like you said, it's a lot like cyclical carb intake in a sense, except you're just sort of cycling. When you cycle down, it's not just low carb, but it's it's sort of low everything. And just enough protein to get by. 100 grams of protein a day, that's that's a pretty low day for most of us, I'd say. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Well, I think that's cool. I mean, this is the kind of stuff where, let's face it, we've got to think outside the box because there's lots of approaches to getting lean. But like I was saying, insulin's a big part of this. And and I do think there's something to the whole evolution evolutionary idea about fasting. I mean, People did not have constant access to food. Like Phil was talking a couple of weeks ago about how we can use that to our advantage. You know, there's always food all the time, and we can completely run hard at it and just consume. Uh, on the flip side of it, yeah, I think if you're trying to drop fat and lower your body weight, don't do that. You know, because I think society makes it possible, but you almost have to force yourself not to. Right. Right, and, and you know, and, and just to your listeners out there, I, I was the biggest critic of of, the, of uh, ideas such as this. I I knew there was a better way to do it if it worked at all, and I've become a total a total convert to it. And one of the things, you know, I always joke that I'm an FFB, a former fat boy. It's really easy for me to put on body fat to have all those cells still hanging around in there. One thing I've noticed is. I mean, I don't, I don't count calories anymore. If I do this once or twice a week, I can pretty much eat, and I, I eat healthfully, but I can eat as much as I want on the other days, and I just don't, I don't get fat. Yeah, calorie counting sucks. Yeah, I agree. We are going on about that on the flip side of this whole thing with weight gain, and Phil and Rob and I think we're all pretty much agreeing. Rob's congratulating Phil about, listen, just eat big. And get dramatic. Don't count every calorie. Because, you know, I, I see on these message boards, these guys, oh, I eat an extra 199 calories a day times this many days. It's like, okay, listen, life has too many variables coming at you. You've got to get aggressive to gain weight. You know what I mean? Put some weight on. And in this case, it's sort of the flip side of that. Instead of saying, I'm going to subtract 147 calories a day, and over time that calculates out to, okay, fine. But Let's face it, between sleep debt or stress 
or like you said, uh, a party or whatever it is. I mean, just changes in diet or environmental temperature. Jesus, there's so many things. You might as well get aggressive, and this is a way you can do it without trying to subtract, you know, ridiculously precise amounts of calories. You simply drink something every hour and a half or two hours during the day, and then, you know, that takes care of the calorie counting itself. It's sort of that dramatic approach that would overcome the variables of life, you know. Right. It's, it's, it's taking a sledgehammer to it instead of, you know, farting around. And yeah. that's, some, that's something that's sort of the the philosophy behind uh, the Velocity Life site is, you know, get in, get out, and get on with life. You got to need to yeah. lose fat? Good. Four weeks, bam. Now let's get on with life and live it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could see, you could apply that to just about everything. And I, I see this as that. I see this as a uh, a sledgehammer approach, a short tactical approach that just get in there, slam it, get the effects you want, and get out and get on with get on with living life because it's certainly not about counting every calorie or not having a good time at a party every once in a while. Right. And it's like you said, a lot of those authors in those magazines, you're they're writing little uh, diet tidbits and recipes and stuff. You know, they're obsess- obsessing over minutiae, like, you know, calorie counting and things like that. And although it's undeniable that some level of por- portion control is important, the kind of analysis paralysis you see going on, I think we're all fans of the sledgehammer approach here at Iron Radio. I mean, it, you you got to do it that way. So it certainly makes living life uh, much simpler. You know, it really does. I mean, I, I, I haven't counted a calorie in five or six years now, and 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 people get very angry at me when I say that because my first published article was how to keep a food log. <laughs> right. Yeah. But there's more to it than that, and there's ways around that. I mean, you, you know, you choose 99% healthful foods. Uh, you eat all you want of those. You throw in a pulse fast every once in a while, and you don't have to. You can you can stop reading labels, or you know, at least you know <laughs> most of them. <laughs> You're, what you're saying there is a lot like what Phil was saying a couple of weeks ago about you know eat what you like and then do a pulse fast once in a while. Phil was saying something similar kind of on the flip side, which is you know eat the healthy food and then pig out once in a while, and that's okay too, you know, because your diet's ninety percent good stuff. So it's it's kind of the you know yeah. So you're yeah when you're full of good food all the time. Yeah, you do sort of a very low calorie quasi fast, like we're talking about here, or you power it up and and you eat extra, you know, in an attempt to put on mass. I think it's, it's I think. Yeah, and, right. and oddly enough, we're seeing people have some pretty cool results by putting those things together. I mean, some of these guys might give Phil a run for their money the day after their fast, but they're doing yeah. it tactfully. You know, they're doing it at a really precisely timed, planned manner, and of course. They're they're jamming most of that in in the pair workout period, which is really cool. Cool. Well, I think we're about out of time. Thanks for coming on, Chris. I love to have people like you because, you know, like I said, you know what's going on. You have a nice outside of the box. You're open minded, but you're not so open minded. Your brain falls out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we 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 got to stay critical too on some level, and I think you know that's a good mix. This is the kind of thing. Where especially with a bunch of the new data that's out on leucine and dieting, I mean, I, in fact, I even reported on Iron Radio, gosh, months ago at that Thailand conference about I saw posters specifically where they were watching animals lose more body fat and not really lose muscle mass because they were just trickling leucine to them while they were fasting, you know. And I, I just see this as very similar kinds of stuff. So, very cool. All right, man. Well, 
again, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for Thanks very, very much. Anytime, guys. Phil, do you have any announcements? Oh, okay. Um, not really. I, I just have one. I'm going to have people just remember we got one week before uh, our contest is done, the most interesting contest in the world where people have to actually you know, send in what, what are their guilty pleasures with machines. Uh, we've got a couple of entries that are sweet. Uh, I, I got some of the prizes in, too. We've got Iron Radio mugs. We've got some sweet high-end nutrition textbooks. I often have those laying around. And we sent them to you. I mean, boom. It's just like that. So you got till October 31st, people. Uh, email or send us a voicemail, and that's it, you know. Get your name in the in the batch, and, and we'll pick you know the best response as far as uh, you know your your favorite guilty pleasure with you know, using certain machines that are just hit, hitting the sweet spot. Okay, that's all I got. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Hey, Iron Radio listeners, this is John Mike. I just wanted to tell you about the American Society of Exercise Physiologists. It's pleased to announce. The 2011 National Meeting on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This will actually be the fourth time the National Conference has been held here in Albuquerque. This three-day event will be held at the Radisson Hotel and Water Park, New Mexico Sports and Wellness, and the University of New Mexico, and partly hosted by the Exercise Science Program here at the University of New Mexico. Go to www.ascp.org to learn more about this exciting conference. Thanks so much. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website. Click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.